Gua sobrok Ay There's not a rule that you have to use the three subs He's the best left back in Canada Without a doubt Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Third Sub Podcast presented by Macy Sports. I'm your co-host Alexander Gongeruzic, joined as always by Samuel Rowan. And boy, do we have a loaded episode 105 to bring to you as we continue to roll through a busy soccer, summer soccer, you know, soccer summer, whatever you want to call it, filled with games all over the shop. We got some white caps to talk about, Canada soccer to talk about. There's all sorts of games and then happenings going on. So to dive into all this, episode 105, Sam, how's it going this week as we, we catch up on uh, on a week away, one filled with a lot more news than we, we ever could have ever anticipated, say, a week ago. Yeah, kind of we've gotten through the, the midweek MLS match week that happened, which is kind of a, a bit of a different structure, and then the weekend off, and obviously some big sporting events in the weekend, uh, you know, Euro finals. Shout out to tennis fans out there. Some great matches at Wimbledon as well. Um, Gold Cup started. Lots of things happening. So that was definitely exciting. We got to backtrack a little bit. Talk about the Whitecaps against RSL. Any bits and bobs even really from FC Dallas that we haven't dove into fully. Also, you know, not the transfer news that Whitecaps fans were maybe hoping for. But saying goodbye, at least in the present, to Derek Cornelius. And uh, looking forward to the rest of the School Cup for Canada. So a wide-ranging podcast here, a diverse set of topics, uh, some things we're passionate about, some things we want to bring to light. So looking forward to it. Well, let's not waste any time. The Vancouver Whitecaps. I mean, among among soccer subjects we have on our plate here, it's probably one of the the more you know, not not the not as amusing, so to speak. I mean, I guess there's there's a lot of drama. There's a lot to talk about. But in terms of a peer viewing experience. First, you got FC Dallas. Yeah, Whitecaps are on the road. They were chasing down, I guess it would have been a, a winless run of, I guess at the time, six games. You know, not you're, you're, you're feeling like you're on the precipice of breaking it. You drew Seattle away, the supporters' shield le- leaders at the time. You feel happy with your, yourself. You head into Dallas. It's a tough place to play, but Dallas is struggling in the standings this year. You think you can come away. The Whitecaps go down early again. It's just, you know, first of all, they it's heading into, you know, including the RSL game, because obviously they lost 4-0. They didn't score a goal. Only twice this year out of 12 games, they've even scored first. So that's a, just a massive problem that needs to be addressed. But obviously they go down against Dallas. Nothing new there. They come back inside the first half. They score two first half goals for the first time all season. You're like, okay, maybe this team has some fight, fight left in them, some fire. This is this is good, and then they give up a 93rd minute own goal just to really rub salt in the wound, put a little pain, extend their winless run to to seven, and then you go to to RSL in a home game where obviously you you have the real home team as your your away team. Well, Salt Lake obviously didn't want to play nice house guests. They went four nil. It wasn't pretty. Thomas Asal's return to the lineup had to deal with just just some not so good defense, shambolic defense, if you want to dare use that word in front of him a rough night for the the youngster in goal and it's just you know the white cap struggles continue i think now that's 
boy, that, that's seven or eight games winless. I think it's it's eight if I'm not mistaken. So it's it's not a pretty time to be a Whitecaps fan in the midst of a 10-day break, but at least uh, the good news is they might be coming home soon and finally playing their games uh, in, in BC Place and sleeping in their, their own beds, even though they are kind of sleeping in their own beds now. But metaphorically, they're at least playing in this city. So maybe they'll give their give them a boost, but it hasn't been a, a great last week. And really, if you extend, it hasn't been a great two weeks. I mean, they haven't won a, a football game in two months their last win came on may 8th 2021 against um, cf montreal it feels years ago it's just it hasn't been a good start to the summer and uh, hopefully the whitecaps can change their fortunes around soon because the season is quickly dwindling down the toilet really yeah those couple early victories feel like a lifetime ago now and i guess just scanning those two most recent matches briefly i mean FC Dallas there, I think from the 20th to the 40th minute, it's like they just completely switched off. I went from being really impressed initially to understanding why they were down at the bottom of the Western Conference standings. And to be fair, the Whitecaps took advantage and and did a nice job, but there was just no consistency there. And then in the, the RSL match, I mean, before the match got out of hand, before the score line was, you know, was up to 3-0 and before it, they were just kind of playing the match out. Throughout the first half, the Whitecaps' inability to progress the ball, the inability to get open, find a man, you know, do anything other than just kind of meaninglessly pass it around the back was was really apparent. And yeah, there's just there hasn't been that coaching improvement. They haven't been able to progress or advance their tactics. It just feels like the same struggles the same difficulties over and over again and when you can't create anything in the final third then you put a lot of stress on your team defensively and there's going to be breakdowns guys like Krylak and Rusnak who we talked about in our preview show you know those are the names that were mentioned over and over and over again they're the guys that posed a lot of danger and uh yeah, I don't know where to go from here. There's a lot of a lot of people online calling out for Mark DeSantis's head. A lot of people, even in the media community, saying that that's it. He was going to be done after this RSL match. And from what we've heard so far, it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere at the moment. So you can't help but wonder, is there a point this season where the Whitecaps might pull the plug or are they just fully committed to, to the year at this point? And as you mentioned, Alex... The fact that the Whitecaps, you know, the 20th, eight days from now, is a possible return date to BC Place. You hear rumblings, the Whitecaps have yet to confirm anything, but uh, who's coaching this team is definitely going to have an impact on the popularity of the, the product this summer, and so it's something that has to be has to be considered. Yeah, there's just so much to, to unpack there. I mean, we talk about the, the early wins at the beginning of the season, it was just it was how good the Whitecaps were. I mean, they they kept clean sheets and then their two wins, you know, when's the last time they kept a clean sheet? It's, it's, it is that Montreal game, obviously. So they kept two clean sheets in the first four games. They were fun off set pieces, just everything. All of that's dried up. And I mean, it's, it's classic Whitecaps. Well, we've used this before the plug one hole, fill another. They've started to score from open play. They scored two open play goals against Dallas. They scored an open play goal or two against the Seattle team that hadn't conceded any open play goals all year. Obviously they didn't score one against RSL. 
you know, a weakened Whitecaps team, no Lucas Cavallini, it's always going to be hard to, to, to score a goal when you do lose one of your, your main con- contributors. And obviously there's some other factors at play, but they've started to score open play goals as of late. That doesn't mean their open play uh, possession has been good. As we've mentioned, as Sam has done a good job of breaking down in, in his series film room, they're not doing so much in open play that, that consistently gets some chances, but they do have bursts. They have bursts where the movement's there in the final third and overlap happens, a run happens. And it's, it, there are good moments, but it's always individually driven. It's always one or two players making up the difference. Tactically, the, the white caps just seem lost and, it's one thing to not be good at offense. You know, the white caps haven't been good at offense throughout their three years, but now their defense has started to suffer the last few games. They're giving up soft goals again, just some crosses in the box that have no business going in. But what's most frustrating if you're the white caps is that there's been zero changes to, to try and fix that. I mean, heck last year when the white caps were shipping goals, say, remember when it was Derek Cornelius and Ranko Veselinovic or one of those combos, what happened? Well, the Derek Cornelius got taken right out of the lineup and a change would happen. And, you know, on paper right now, especially with no Derek Cornelius, Andy Rose and Eric Goodoy statistically might be your two best center backs, but at a certain point, when are one of them going to get a break? You cannot keep trotting them out over and over. If you're going to keep giving two to four goals a game. And again, to return to a point you've made sure to make to me many times. And I agree, it's not on the center backs. It's just one amongst many problems that have cropped up for the white cats, but little details like that. Why last year, when a young center back was in the midst of a bad run, immediately sent to the sidelines and banished yet, you know, the white caps, some old familiar struggles have cropped up once again, no changes have been made. It's just frustrating that now at both ends, the white caps are, are, you know, at least at the beginning of the season, it wasn't entertaining, but it was nil nils. It was one nils. It was two ones, but now it's just wide open and usually not in the favor of the white caps. So it's, it's really just a rough run on so many fronts right now. Yeah. The, the defensive struggles is a tough one to grapple with because, you know, you feel like Overall, Andy Rose has done a good job this year at center back or, or impressed probably and, and played above expectations. And obviously, Eric Godoy is well regarded. But, there's, yeah, there have just been these little moments, uh, especially where key players on the opposition team find themselves in pockets of space that they shouldn't be in. You know, is that a lack of cohesion on the back line with young guys like Javane Brown getting integrated? Is that miscommunication? Is that a lack of coaching? I think it's just more to do with, you know, when you can't control the ball at the other end of the pitch, you just, you're asking so much of those players and, and eventually they're going to get worn down. And as you said, Alex, they haven't had any breaks. They're, they're getting trotted out match after match after match. A guy like Ranko all of a sudden can't find his way into the squad when you couldn't pull him out of the lineup last year. And uh, you, you wonder, you wonder what that means. You wonder why that's the case. And, uh, and it's just also things from, I think what's really disappointing is at the beginning of this 2021 season, some a couple issues I thought of you know, that were huge in 2019 and 2020, not being able to progress the ball through central areas you know, or through the middle of the field. Like the Whitecaps really struggled with that. They kind of fixed it at the start of 2021. Also, something that was on the other end of the pitch, second phases of set pieces, second phase when you have to regroup defensively and then defend another cross or another pass into the box. Whitecaps were terrible at that in 2019-2020. Beginning of 2021 did a much better job. Now, both of those problems have 
reoccurred again. Like going through the RSL match, you're getting scored in the second phase of set pieces. You're unable to progress the ball through the midfield. So even the little things that had improved slightly still weren't winning them a ton of matches, but at least tweaks that had made the team a little bit better were now seeing regression as well. So it's... Uh, it's a dark place right now for this Whitecaps team, and I don't know, frankly, how many more tricks and tools Mark Dos Santos has in his arsenal. I feel like he's kind of, you know, exhausted his toolbox, and that and that's what's really concerning. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly at a point where it's like, for the Whitecaps' sake, whether you you know you, you like Mark Dos Santos as, as a coach or not, it just might be time for both parties to to hit. It doesn't. The reset it doesn't button. seem productive anymore. And that yeah. And then again, that doesn't mean that Mark isn't a good leader of men and and doesn't maybe have the potential. You know, if he were to come into this team right now and start managing them, maybe things would be different. But we're not going to know that, and we're never going to get to see that. Exactly. It's nothing to do with Mark Dos Santos as a coach again, or his abilities, you know, leadership. Well, what, I, what I'm saying, adding to your, your, your point there is that it's just at a certain point, there's been so much regression after progression and then more regression at a certain point, you just, you might need a fresh start. And yeah. I think it might be, be best for, for both parties. Cause I mean, I still think theoretically he, he certainly talks a good enough game where you believe that he could, if, you know, if he put some of his, his, his managed to, to get some of what he's talked about into place, it would certainly, the Whitecaps could be a good team. And, you know, there's been flashes, but at a certain point with the talent in their roster, something has to give, something has to give. And I mean, yes, it's been an unfair run for, for Mark DeSantos, not exactly what uh, any coach would dream of having to play two years, essentially away from home and deal with, with what he's we've dealt with. But at the same time, things that he should be directly in control in, aren't changing. I mean, one thing Mark DeSantis has always mentioned as a coach, some what you can do as, as, as a coach is to control the things that you are, are directly able to control, what your players that you do have are able to do on the pitch, your players just tactically responding to your system, little things like that. And that's not happening right now. And that's where I think maybe, you know, maybe it's just the players not listening and maybe it's his message not getting through. Maybe just, you know, who knows what it is, but at a certain point you got to, if you want to be a team that that wins and, and want to push forward, you, you have to address, okay, if that's if, if those sorts of things that you can control, because you've spent all this money on this roster, whether or not you believe some of the players of Whitecaps have bought or good or not, statistically, they have good profiles. You know, looking at the video from their old leagues, they seem to be good players. You've spent all this money on them. You're not going to get rid of the players and try again. At a certain point, you, well, you've got to... And on just a very basic level, they are at the very least capable of more than this. How much more is up for debate, but they're capable of more. And that's it. And that's where it comes to, to the coach. It comes to, okay, are they being put in a position to succeed? And it's at a point where, uh, you know, for, for Mark DeSantis' sake, if, you know, this is to be the end by the end of 2021, I'd love to to see him go to a, a club where he can have all the success that he certainly deserves after the three years that he's put in here at the Whitecaps be at whatever level that ends up being say if he ends up going to the cpl and ends up being a dominant coach should be happy for him usl whatever but for the white cap's sake it's certainly coming to a point where you know maybe just a fresh start is, is needed for all sides and that's just what i've i don't know i think we've we've both kind of come to that conclusion after these runs of games where it's just some of the errors that are being made it's just it's it's, it's at a certain point you, you've got to hit a line you've got to hit a wall you've You've got to make, you make it stop. And I mean, it certainly gets added fuel when the first team to finally make, 
you know, to, to pull the stop or whatever, however you want to say it and, and, and make the plunge and firing a coach Toronto FC who fired a coach after only 12 games. I mean, it's not like they had three years of history, like the Whitecaps, no 12 games. That's a risky fire. I mean, yes, Chris Armis was for, for lack of a better word, awful with Toronto, but it is still very risky for a manager uh, for management to get rid of a coach after 12 games. But they do that all of a sudden in just one game, they look like a reborn team. And obviously we need five to 10 more games to see more of this Toronto side. But just the fact that within one game, they completely looked almost reborn. You can only wonder what the Whitecaps could do with just a fresh start. So it's certainly just looking at some of the problems from these, this Dallas and RSL game, we've kind of cropped into them. So I don't think we should dive more in. I think we've kind of exhausted most of that. We got other fish to fry, so to speak, but it's just frustrating that so many of these problems are such preventable problems. It's problems that have already been there and seemingly have been fixed and they keep cropping up over and over again. And it's just at a certain point enough is enough. Like the, the saying goes. Well, yeah, what I want to do is instead of, instead of looking back at what's happened, look forward a little bit because things on the Canadian MLS front are getting interesting you know, you've got ahead here on Saturday, July 17th, the Whitecaps matchup against the LA Galaxy. We know that's going to be in Salt Lake. They've already sold tickets, I believe, for that match. So they're, they're committed to that strategy at this point. But then you look at Tuesday against the Houston Dynamo on the 20th, at LAFC on the 24th, at home on the 28th of July, then at home on the 31st of July. Those three home matches, Houston, Austin, and Minnesota, very much unsure at this point where those are going to be. And if this is going to be a scenario where they're at BC Place and, and fans are allowed to attend, the uh, the approval rating of the team is certainly something that's very important. And that's, I think, why a lot of people were maybe surprised that nothing was done or nothing, you know, nothing major was was said by someone like Axel Schuster after the RSL match, and uh, and it doesn't seem like anything's going to happen in a, in a drastic sense before those home matches if they do indeed return to BC Place. So, Alex, I am so so curious for what reception is going to be going to be there if those matches do take place. I feel like the Whitecaps have to be hoping almost to a certain extent that they stay in Salt Lake because now is not a great time to come home. Well, obviously, if you're the Whitecaps, they're definitely hoping they can sign a Ryan Gold, for example, because at least... Might, might help a, a little bit. Might In terms of putting, you know, the famed adage, putting bums in seats, finally signing a DP number 10 might help. But I want to bring up a point that you, uh, you, you made on Twitter the other... Uh, I guess the other day after, it must have been after the RSL game. If you're the white caps you're talking about returning home you have to make changes at a certain point or just just the, from a marketing perspective if nothing else right well because you have a team that's winless in eight they haven't been playing well they can't score goals first you know they've they've had a few batterings in that time some four nils some three nils how do you market that to a fan base why now? would i want to spend my money on that right now i could, you know it's it's been 25 degrees or more and and sunny every single day like i'll go i'll go hang out at the beach instead of doing that well, it's frustrating because I think to start, I think the Whitecaps should get some fans in the seats. It's a novelty. The team's returned. You have nothing better to do. But for the Whitecaps, those July and August games, even September, 
they're massive because I mean think about it the Canucks this year they were they just they weren't that good they, they frankly they weren't that good obviously they had that COVID outbreak at the back end of the season but they weren't that good the year before though they were obviously really good what happened the Whitecaps really started to lose fans you know the, the pendulum kind of switched back to the Canucks after that run between I guess would have been 2014 to 2018 where you know the Whitecaps were actually kind of almost the bigger draw in the in the city obviously having Alfonso Davies Pedro Morales winning games you know, the people wanted to go see the Whitecaps. They were easily drawing 30K. And then by the end of 2019, they were drawing 15K on, on Saturday nights. And, you know, now with the Canucks back in markets, they're always going to be, you know, the, the bigger sell. And now they're heading back. We have to remember the Canucks are going to be in a weaker Pacific division where they actually have a chance to compete for a playoff spot. For the, you know, fans, are with, with especially with a year away from the Canucks, fans are going to want to go back to the games if they're doing better. And if the Whitecaps in the home games, like you mentioned, they'd have three in July. Who knows if they'll be able to make it or not. Best, you know, worst case scenario, they're playing at home on August 21st. I feel like that's almost a given. You could almost, if you, you know, you could almost write that one in pen, August 28th, September 10th, uh, September 25th, you know, October 2nd. Usually the Canucks season starts around early October. Those home games, if, you're, if your team's not good, if your team's not playing well, heck, if you're out of a playoff spot by then, if you're the Whitecaps, why are fans going to want to hitch their wagon to you? And then all of a sudden they get, you know, hooked to the Canucks, say the Canucks have a good season heading into the spring next year. If they're in a playoff race, who's going to want to go watch the Whitecaps in the spring? And then all of a sudden, just because of a few bad games in, in, in July and August, you've set yourself back for a year or two in terms of trying to get fans back and try to get back to where you were for... 2015 so it's a huge next few months for the Whitecaps yet as you mentioned as things stand it feels like they're not set up to to take advantage of that and I think certainly one part of that might be you know again bringing in a new coach obviously a DP number 10 wouldn't help but they certainly have to at a certain point if you're Axel Schuster and you're in charge of the money side certain point you got to look okay if if we're not going to take advantage of this this could set us up poorly for the next six to 12 months long term why would you want to do that as a business especially a business say you know that's kind of maybe not not one of the more productive businesses in all, all of MLS. It's certainly questions to 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 be pondered. But I don't know. Maybe I'm 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 kind of on a lost path there. Maybe it's a bit incoherent. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that whole how the Canucks, you know, coming back could also impact the the Whitecaps. Well, no, I think you brought you kind of broke that down really well. But your whole discussion has triggered a memory in my mind. One of the last, I mean, other than, okay, we got to see some of those Canadian series matches last September. We got that one home game at the start of the 2020 season. Well, there was good fan attendance. But I remember prior to that, we did the preseason media event at BC Place. This is when Mark Panis was still with the club. And a big stir was caused when he was asked about the number of confirmed season ticket holders and I believe he answered something like about 8,000. And that, that used to, it used to be 13,000, 14,000. And prior, um, not prior, following this comment from Panis, uh, the Whitecaps communication staff was on complete like damage control mode trying to say, oh, that's only confirmed and we have more season ticket holders than this. But like clearly at the time, at the beginning of 2020, it was a point of sensitivity already. They were concerned about the amount of fan support they're coming off you know their worst season basically other than expansion in mls as you mentioned you know just other entertainment products in the market were were more competitive more successful 
that's kind of where things were left off in terms of a business perspective for this and they had mark panis at the time doing everything humanly possible to get people in seats and i mean since then there's been a global pandemic they've lost the guy doing everything to put bums in seats and they're on an eight game winless streak and now they're maybe going to come home and restart where they were at you know a year and a half ago so i'm just that moment is very vivid in my mind and they, they've got a lot of work to do to erase not only the damage that might have been done over the last year and a half but the the continual damage that was going on prior to covid going down and and everything that we've had to deal with over the last year and a half right yeah no it's such a good point about the panis just i, I remember that i think he, he said something eight thousand or nine thousand if i'm not mistaken and then uh, yeah, and I mean, credit to him, as I was going to say, for that Kansas City game, if I'm not mistaken, the Whitecaps pulled in close to 20K. They were loud. It was a good atmosphere. But like since then, things have only gone downhill. So if they were, they, they narrowly pulled in 20,000. That took a lot of single game pushes. That took Mark Panis seemingly showing up at every Whitecaps fan bar in the city for a week there, you know, giving, telling people to come and, and going on all the radio shows. Do the Whitecaps have a push in them like that right now? I mean, heck, they've lost, the city's lost a radio station since then. Bars obviously aren't as full as they, they used to be. So it's, you know, the word of mouth isn't going to be as effective. So yeah, you can only worry about what the Whitecaps might be able to do now. I personally think that first game back will probably get a good amount of of seats just because people word of mouth, oh, it's the first game There's back. There's the curiosity factor, right? Yeah, it's, there's, that's like why every year a, a team's opening game always does well. There's never a, a year where a team's first game does bad because, you know, it's a new year, you new hope. Okay, you want to go see the team. In this case, you haven't seen live sports in, in, in a year and a half, two years. Of course you want to go. There's novelty. But again, it's like especially as more options start to return. CPL, obviously, for example, for soccer fans and on the island, Pacific's looking like a fantastic team running a ride over most of their opponents, great players, fantastic atmosphere. You know, there's going to, there's other options for the product and that's just soccer. Obviously the lions are coming back and if, Hey, if they're a good team, you know, they can attract fans the, the Canucks. It's certainly not a good position to be in if you're the white caps, let's just say that. No, it, it's going to make this next month or so very, very entertaining. Cause we haven't had the, We've had the matches to break down. We've had the players and the the team performances to break down, but there hasn't been the whole supporters and feeling in the city type dynamic for such a long time now. And I've really, truly, as someone who follows the team and covers the team, that's that's an element that's been missed. And I can't wait to have to, you know, factor that into my evaluation of how things are going again. That's certainly an exciting prospect. And so... Hopefully this this return when it does happen, you know, can go off in the safest way possible. People get into the stadiums, people people feel comfortable in that environment and and we see what kind of reaction the White Caps get. Yeah. I think I agree. I think it's it's gonna be good to have supporters back, but it'd just be it'd be nice if the White Caps could do so in a positive light. Say so I'm just worried, say the first game back, say, you know, it's in two games, they haven't they're on a ten game witness run. They get battered, fans start booing. That's just not what you want to do for a return back. So hopefully all goes well. But before we move on to, to some of the other talking points, obviously a Whitecaps player departed, um, you know, some maybe some new ones on, on the way, you know, and obviously Canada, some chatter Canada 
let's go into to you know our, our usuals for the, the the Dallas and RSL games, third sub of the game, and then a quick stock review because I always gotta update our stocks after a week away from them. But we'll just quickly go through the third sub of the game pretty quickly. I guess we'll we'll give our words, you know, pretty straightforward. Not much to say. For the Dallas game, Patrick Metcalf came in. Good to see him get another run after doing so well against Seattle the week before. Obviously, I, I thought he, he did, from what I remember of the Dallas game, he did pretty well. Uh, I liked his cameo, but then the, the last two wasn't maybe as positive. Ranko Veselinovic, Jake Norwinski, subbing two defenders, 92nd minute. One of them scores an own goal in the 93rd minute. Not the greatest introduction from them. Uh, again, nothing on Ranko, not exactly a best position for him to be thrown into especially after not having played in a while but uh that was tough for them and then for the salt lake game it was theo bear who who looked quite good once again in his short cameo so i wonder what it'll take for him to get a start for him to get a 30 plus minute run maybe this la galaxy game this weekend will be that opportunity but thought he looked good leonard awusu again also looked good why is he not starting why is russell tybert's play seemingly cast in iron in the lineup when awusu uh, just cannot buy by himself a start at a certain point. It's just poor asset management, obviously an international spot. And plus with, as another hint to more international central midfielders, possibly being linked with the club, it leaves a position in a, a, a strange one. But uh, I guess Sam, we'll throw it to you. All five players you'll roll through, then I can roll through one word for each. I know it's a lot of pressure, but uh, if you need to defer, I'll throw in mine as well. No worries. Um, all right. As we, yeah, we'll dive into this kind of rapid fire style. I mean, Pat, good to see him come on. Would like to, you know, maybe push Bakel a little further up the field and, and throw a guy like Pat in at the six or get, or get creative with how you use your three midfielders. And uh, yeah, so I just say rock solid for Pat. I mean, he's, I think he's grown despite the very limited sample size we've seen. And he, and he looks a little more comfortable at the MLS level, certainly than he did last year. Ranko, um, I'm gutted for Ranko. And I, you know, I haven't been a huge Ranko f- supporter necessarily, but that was an awful position to be put in. The miscommunication oh, the miscommunication with Rose, uh, you're just not put in a position to succeed. Stop me if you've heard that before with Whitecap subs. Uh, and then Jake Nerwinski, that one I will give a little bit of uh, a little bit of credit because it does sound like it was a four sub due to injury. So I understand if you just want to make the straight swap there. So uh, nothing really to say, but uh, you know I think he's he's blameless for for the fact he's coming on. And and yeah, I don't know, I didn't really see much from much from Jake to write home about in that one. Salt Lake, Theo Bear, um, he's imposing. He's an imposing presence up front and. I think especially against an LA Galaxy team whose central defenders aren't uh, the most assertive and the and the most dominant guys in the world, I'd love to see Theo Bear get in there. I don't think Brian White was very good against RSL. I, I don't think he really offered anything, to be honest. And uh, that, that just would make me even more keen to see Theo do something up front and you know cause a bit of chaos. Then Leo Wusu, I mean, disrespected is the word because... Uh, again, if you, you know, go check out my article on 86 forever. Um, there are a couple clips of Russell Tybert in there where I think that if Leo Wusu had been on the ball, a guy who likes to run forward, likes to take on guys one-on-one, likes to dribble it, likes to make those little incisive passes, he would have been really well suited and maybe someone who could have helped the Whitecaps in that RSL match, but he can't get minutes right now or certainly not enough of them. And it's, it's frustrating. Pretty accurate summation for most of them. I'll just roll through. I mean, Metcalf really, 
at a certain point, I would just say ready for him. I mean, what more does he have to do to show that he's at least ready for a 30, 40 minute cameo? Okay. If you don't want, you don't feel ready to, to start him. Like what, what more did like, you know, at least say someone like Michael Baldissimo, for example, a few games where he hasn't started, he's come on at the 50th minute. Well, what did, what did, well, not to make this a global football podcast, but what did uh, Italy do in the Euro finals? They brought on two subs in what was it? The 50 third 54th minute completely changed the game completely changed the match so i'm sure if you know if the italian national team who just won the euros is doing it there there must be some logic there you might want to try that out at some point exactly so i'd say yes patrick metcalf is ready to start but at worst give the guy you know again a 40 minute 30 minute run off the bench at least something more than the five minute cup of coffee where he you know he doesn't have much to, to to show of himself so i'd say ready Going down the list, Ranko, just unlucky. That was just not a position for him to succeed. And it was just frustrating because you don't really, you know, you, if you're going to sub on a defender when you're leading, do it in the 70th minute. Let the player grow into the game. Don't do it in the 92nd minute. At that point, you've already committed to, to the bit. There's The only reason you're doing that is maybe if you're trying to kill time, but don't put the center back right into the back line. Like, it's just, it was it was a strange move. And so I'd say unlucky. As for Norwinsky, I would just say, present i mean he was there he was on the field but uh, otherwise not sure what to say about that one it was more just on you know again a straight swap with injury not much to say not a bad sub at all otherwise theo bear at a certain point it's just like unfair like really that's the only word i can think of just what more and if anything i'm gonna double up i'll just say for bear and awusu unfair is my word for both i mean what more do they have to do for for more minutes to start especially not just like Again, it's not even just the players ahead of them, say like a Tybert in Owusu's case or a White in, in Bear's case, but for what they've done to prove they're ready for those roles. Like at a certain point, no matter what you think of White or Tybert, has, have Owusu and Bear not shown more? Have they not shown enough to at least warrant more minutes? Like it's certainly a, a strange situation. So for the both of those, I'd say unfair. All right. Well, does that does that take us to stock review? We'll just dive into the next segment. Money, 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 money. <laughs> I mean, money or lack thereof, maybe because of. Uh, so we're just gonna we'll do the same thing. I think where we will combine the RSL and Dallas performances, just kind of evaluate it on a. We're not gonna dive into you know both individually, but uh, it's it's not gonna be good news. I don't really think for for any of these stocks. But uh, Alex, let's dive into mine first. <laughs> Three shares in Dahomey. I mean, great ball against FC Dallas. Certainly, you know, had some bright moments. So, you know, I think that's probably a hold. I don't think any stocks for these white caps deserve to go up at the moment, but I do feel like Dahomey probably did enough to keep it as a hold for now. Yeah, I think probably Dahomey would be, yeah, that no man's land. He's certainly, again, that's why he's a good stock. He's a very consistent player, yeah. but when you're when there's a reason why when the team hasn't been doing well you know the homie maybe hasn't been as you know involved in the goals i think you know in the his four goals this year they've grabbed points in all three of those games so i think the fact that when when the goal contributions aren't coming again not by no fault of his own it's no coincidence that the white caps tend to suffer as he's that important to the team so i'll say hold moving on for you three and michael baldismo he just didn't play so can't really can't really dock your points for for a guy picking up an injury. Did it with Bruno Gaspar, who also didn't play. So you're safe. If anything, you're safe. Cause the, the, them seeing the field, who knows? That you know, at this point, you're safe. Diber Caicedo too. If anything, I, I he's very close to to going up in my eyes. He's been one of the bright spots for the Whitecaps. 
as of late. Obviously, he hasn't really been getting the goal contributions, but boy, does he get it to good areas to set up teammates, to create, create havoc. He's one of the lone players that actually moves in the final third and make things happen. So, Diber Caicedo. I think it's I think it's still a hold over oh, these hold. last two matches, but but he's probably the closest Whitecaps player at the moment to earning any extra shares. I think he's probably had the brightest moments over those last two matches. If Cam anything, had, I'll put I'll put it out there for for Kaiser. I think he's close enough that if he gets a goal contribution against yeah. the Galaxy, I'll accord you a raise. I feel like he's that right. close. Well, hopefully for the Whitecaps and for Caicedo, that happens. Two shares in Cam Habibula. I'm not willing to write home about there, but he did find the bench, which was nice to see. After his little disappearance there. We'll move on. Um, Two shares in Christian Gutierrez. I don't know. What do you think about this one, Alex? It wasn't against RSL. It wasn't the best match for Guti. Yeah, but I just mean it wasn't. It was. It wasn't a great match for 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 most of the back line. Obviously, the first goal maybe Goody does a little better on Merrim there to avoid that flick that led to Krylak's goal. But that's just a whole cacophony of errors. I think Gutierrez has continued to be to been one of the maybe if anything, if you're going through the roster, what top three, top five caps consistently across the year. I think yeah. conversation has to be what Dahomey, Crepo, as of late, Javane Brown. But I think Gutierrez has been ahead of him and you know, Kyle Alexandre and now Diber Caicedo. I think Goody's obviously in that top five conversation in terms of white caps players been most consistent, but again, kind of like the as of right now, he didn't find those levels he's reached in the past. So even though he might be close to a raise, I'd certainly say a hold. Yeah. And then uh, my final two, the, the experimental shares that I added last time out, um, Eric Godoy, how do you want to evaluate that one? Uh, again, it wasn't it wasn't his best game, so I, I feel like we're at a certain point with how bad the Whitecaps have been. I feel like we have to dock ourselves some points. Yeah, this this is a drop for me for sure. I I think I'll I'll drop Godoy again. I don't think that's necessarily his fault. It's just you know it's just such a, a rough situation right now. But again, he also hasn't been necessarily his himself either. So I'll say I'll drop, and then for your other one is an easy drop for me. Godoy is a hesitant drop. You said it's a drop. If anything, I would have let you get away with the hold on Godoy. But White has to be a drop. There's no I'm... debate. This one, I I, I dropped two if that was a thing. It was, like, it was, was a very it was a very poor performance against RSL. I'm just frustrated at two moments in particular. I think there was one where he got a breakaway. Maybe offside, maybe not. But you have to finish in a VAR league where there's potential for onside. Like you can't run up un- untouched to the goalkeeper and shoot it right at his foot. That was shocking. And then the other one is Diber Caicedo made it in a fantastic run. He took out three guys with this run, sucked four guys over his side, played white in all alone. He 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 drew, and then he just ran it into the side. It was the, the worst players. one, the worst first touch, basically possible in that in that transitional moment. Yeah. So, and, and then there was also another one too. I forget. There's a third where he was in behind, and he just got muscled off the ball. So no, I, I, White was definitely a drop. Just wasn't. You know, it was frustrating because I, I think in my head a guy like Theo Bear in those three scenarios. I see, you know, I see goals in all three scenarios. I don't know if that's there's at know, least but, one goal in it at, at the at the very uh, least. At the very least, because there's a reason why Axel Schuster has said that he's one of the best finishers in the club. So it's certainly frustrating that Brian White has been brought in. You know what? I, I, again, we were both I, we like the player. We always question maybe the, you know, at least I always question the move. Why you make that move when you have a guy like Bear? And I'm certainly starting to feel that way now because it was like. You really paid four hundred thousand for that. Even you know, is, is that necessarily four hundred thousand dollars better than what you got? At least if Bear missed all three, 
you didn't pay 400,000 for, for them. So sorry to go on the rent there, but I think white's an easy drop. So we'll give you the minus two for both. So if, I, if I'm not mistaken, that leaves you with a, a one share, which in your head, you're probably like, Ooh, I don't even want that, that share nowadays. Well, yeah, the, the one action has already been used on our dock here to remove Brian White. So um, I, I'm getting one one match was all I needed to see. Or I guess yeah, two, that, I guess that, that two matches. The best. But yeah, you know what? I wanted to provide some entertainment and I'm glad we got to talk about those moments on the show. So I think that was worthwhile. And, and you know, I still like my Godoy, my Godoy stock. Like, I feel like that one, he's going to have a couple really strong matches here at some point. So uh I don't feel too bad about that. So Alex, yeah, we're we're on to your um, your shares. Starting off with one defensive set piece stock. I mean, let, let's think of the goals. The first goal against Dallas was open play. It's, a lot of the goals are coming from open play. So I I'd certainly I'd take a dock if if you can like a docking if you can take one. So Whitecaps haven't been particularly good on either side. So I don't know how would you rate this one. I would say that. You know, in general, all I can think of is that I can think of the Krylock, the, I guess that's the second goal for RSL was kind of the second phase of a set piece. But to be honest, it's not because they've struggled with structure. It's on their set plays. Open play. Exactly. So, you know, I'm going to say that that's fine. I think that's a hold. I don't, I don't feel like that's the the biggest of the Whitecaps problems at the moment. So uh, that moves us on to Goody, who we already said was a hold. Kayo, I think Kayo's been solid. It hasn't been the best. He'd had some brighter matches earlier on, but at the same time, he's certainly not hurting this Whitecaps team. So he's definitely not really put in a position to extract the most out of him. I think absolutely the fact like we talked about it earlier in the year, his infectious running into space, all that stuff. We've seen that kind of go away a bit, and it's I think because of the system, not because well, it lacks certainly, it must the be frust- frustrating for him to always be running and just never getting the ball. So I certainly that think there has to be a system change to, to, to get him back doing that. And then again, no fault of his own. I don't blame him. He was, he was running so unselfishly, so tirelessly and his teammates weren't given the ball. So again, I'll say hold for Kyle. I got two Baldy hold for Baldy Two Mad Max. Uh, he, you know, it, again, not, not hasn't really been his year by no fault of his own. It hasn't been an easy year. Uh, you conceded two against Dallas. Not really his fault. If anything, he was fantastic against Dallas. He also did win his game, his first game in the Gold Cup. I'd say I'd, I'd be content with the hold, but it was worth noting that he was really good against Dallas. And if, if I'm not mistaken, he did end up picking up my man of the match. So I'll take a hold, but I'm curious to know your thoughts on Mad Max Crepo. Well, it's interesting because there's been... Uh... There's been real disparity in sort of the evaluations. If you look at some of like the advanced numbers, it it's actually not very flattering this year. But he's also had some really good moments and some some really great saves. So I'm kind of some sp- poor defending in front of him. Yeah, and also some moments though where he hasn't. I don't know if his command of the area this year has been as good as as in past, and maybe that's because of the lack of communication or the lack of structure in front of him. So I think I'm good with the hold, but. At the same time, I can't appreciate that, you know, when you're, you're playing the way the Whitecaps have, the, the keeper's usually going to be one of your best players, and he certainly made some some quality saves. And I guess moving on, one Cameron Abibula, not much to be said there. One Reiner Post, so continues to be very trusted off the bench. Eh? Good to know that he's now the one or two in the hierarchy in terms of subs, which is always nice to see, but not much to write home about there. 
One Derek Cornelius, I was arguing jokingly before the show that I should get a raise here because him leaving the Whitecaps probably is better for his career at the moment. So maybe that one will, I'll keep that one just in case something happens. I can, you know, maybe lobby my case to the, to the stock board that uh, I deserve a raise or two, but uh, obviously he didn't play. So no rise there. One Dahomey, we obviously said a hold because obviously I added that. One Pat Metcalf, we'll say a hold for now, but I'm liking that. I think if he gets a start or something like that and does well, I certainly think that's grounds for holds on a whole a, a raise. Sorry, on the midfield front, because obviously it's a little harder to rate by goal contributions and whatnot. But uh, I guess that leaves me with nothing surprisingly went down. Everything held, which is quite a miracle. I'm with, I'm stuck with three actions. What do I do? I don't know. I think I'm gonna. I don't want to copy you completely because it's just such an easy stock to go for. So I'll just put one in him. I'm, I'm going to add one Diver Caicedo stock because I just, how, how could I ignore him with how good he's been? So uh, you certainly, you're, you're, you've been on him since the start. So I'll, I'll give credit to that. I think, you know, may as well invest in that one. But if anything, I'm going to add one Hassal stocks. I certainly okay, think okay. he's got a lot more to give after that. The, that. the price is, the price is low right now. So I like that. I think after that RSL game wasn't really his fault, made some great saves. I think he could be due for a, a big performance here. So I've got a lot of money in goalkeepers. Hopefully Hassal does stick with them. I mean, I'd like, you know, Evan Newton seems like a good goalkeeper, but I would like to see the Whitecaps continue to stick with their youngster. But, uh, and for the last action, I don't think I have anything to get rid of. Uh, so I guess jokingly, since I have an action, I don't want to use, I will add another stock in Derek Cornelius just for, 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 for laughs, just for a bit of banter. Well, I mean, he's technically still a member of the Whitecaps, so I think we just maybe have to track his performances abroad, and, and you know, if his stock goes up abroad, then maybe we have to reflect that. I, I mean, I, maybe, I, I should, maybe I should start investing in some Damiano Pasile, Simon Goline, and uh, some of the other stocks, some David Egbo. Boy, his stock would that be... Would, yeah, that would have been a good investment. His stock would be through the roof right now with how he's been playing uh, for Phoenix Rising, so maybe uh, doubling down on my Cornelius stock should pay off, so I think he's going to do really well in Greece. Well, shout out to David Egbo because there's a, a whole other reason why maybe spending 400k on Brian White wasn't the best idea. But speaking of things that maybe weren't the best idea, Derek Cornelius going out on loan to Greece for was it, it's a year and a half is the is 1. the loan five years officially is the with a, with an option to purchase. So you know without calling things too soon because he hasn't even arrived in Greece yet. I'm not sure we see Derek Cornelius again in a white cap shirt. I mean, they did extend his contract, but but what exactly that means very much, you know, has to be seen at this point. He was struggling to get any minutes for the Vancouver Whitecaps, and that meant that, you know, really specifically for, for DC, his role in the Canadian men's national team was becoming slimmer and slimmer. This is a guy that you know, after his performance at the U23s, you could have made an argument should be a starting center back for the for the national team proper. But when you're not getting minutes, you can't be in that discussion. And so this does seem to be what's best for his career. But the question is, is this what's best for the Whitecaps? Because someone who certainly could have contributed at the center back position, but for whatever reason was always on the outside looking in. We've made our thoughts very clear in the past. This is a, it's a tough day for the club, but I'm, I'm also happy for Derek because I feel like he gets to go and get an opportunity somewhere else where it just wasn't working out here. Yeah, no, I certainly think it's it's one where the Whitecaps are making maybe a bit of a mistake in, in sending him out. I just think 
sending out a 23 year old domestic center back at a position that peaks a lot later than other positions, you know, Canadian. So he's local, you know, it's always nice to have local Canadian kids, especially if they're, you know, up to the standard. I certainly think he is it just, even some of the other things I always just, you know, maybe I'm always picky like that. It's always nice to have a left footed center back on the roster. There goes their only left footed center back. And again, it just, from a pure technical standpoint, it just feels like the Whitecaps running him and Godoy with, with, or even just Godoy as the number one with Ranko and Cornelius rotating through seems like the logical option. I mean, that doesn't want to take anything away from Andy Rose, who I think has been really good since he's, he's converted over. I think the last few games Rose hasn't been as good. I do think he needs a rest, but I, I, I can't ignore the fact that he, he was actually pretty good at center back. Uh, before this this latest patch so I understand why DeSantos has stuck with that but it's just frustrating because you just let this 23 year old asset just kind of sit and rot when he could be helping the team and now he gets sent on loan to a good Greek league where it feels like the Whitecaps could be use a player playing at that level yet they're sending one to that level so it's it's frustrating from the Whitecaps standpoint from but from a pure asset management standpoint a few things do have to be said Credit to the Whitecaps for sending him on loan because, say, if you're going to look at another club, say Toronto FC, at least they're not letting him rot for for a year or two more than he should and then sending him out on loan or transferring him. So at least, you know, he's getting his opportunity to go play at a good club. This will be a good move for him. Credit to Cornelius. I think this will really – I think he should be on the national team radar by the fall if he plays well on this loan spell. I think Greece is a good league, and if he's starting regularly, I don't see why not. So this is a good move for Cornelius. This is smart from just say the Whitecaps. We can disagree all they want, all we want with how they rate Cornelius, and I certainly have my objections to how they they, they maybe rate Cornelius. I think he's certainly a lot better than they obviously seem to to think he is. But hey, at least they recognize. Okay, we have a good player who's third or fourth in our chart. Let's at least get him out and playing. And now they have a roster spot to get a guy who is a little more fitting, say, of a third or fourth spot. You can get a depth guy, a cheap American, a cheap Canadian but at least fits that mold and you're not wondering, okay, why are they wasting away Cornelius? At least they've got a guy who, assuming they do sign a guy, at least they'll have a guy more fitting for that that role. So at least credit to them for all that. But I, I think it's really unfortunate that Cornelius's time in Vancouver is going to come to this because I certainly feel like the they, they could use them more than the, they have in the past few years because it was so promising after a rough start in 2019. He was starting to look good in 2019. In 2020, he was doing well. And then... It, ever since October of 2020, he's made three starts, and I think he's made eight appearances, most of them off the bench. Like it, it should not have ended this way for him. Yeah, I liked your point in uh, in the article that you wrote about the fact that the team he's joining in Greece is they narrowly escaped relegation might actually be a good thing for his his profile personally because if it's a team that does have to defend a lot, he gets the opportunity a lot to, of a lot of reps to show off his abilities, right? And that's that's not necessarily a, a bad thing for DC. So I'm I'm excited about that. Uh, but something that was brought up to me in in comments on Twitter, and I think is worth talking about, this changes not only the present outlook for the Vancouver Whitecaps center back, not to a huge degree because they weren't using him anyways, but it really does point a, a, a sharper focus at the future of the Vancouver Whitecaps at center back. Because if even if Andy Rose is your starter for the rest of this year, that's not something that's a long-term solution. Ranko's had some good moments, but was a guy who really lacked confidence last year and hasn't been able to earn the starting job this year. Um, Eric Godoy, can he stay healthy? You don't have a lot of depth behind that there. 
I mean, you might be bullish on Gianfranco Facinari, you might be bullish on uh, Campagna, but those guys are a ways away. So you you already kind of pointed out, are you looking for a depth guy to fill in? Do you look to bring in another, you know, 20, 22-year-old that has room to develop? How do the Whitecaps treat this position going forward? Because it went from something where you felt like you had too many center backs for the same spot. Now you've kind of, you know, made a bit of a mess of this and, and you're looking a little thin at the position again. Oh, it's such a good question. We, we didn't even talk about Yasser Kamiri, which is a whole whole other story. And I mean, shout out to Yasser Kamiri. He scored his first professional goal in North America, his first in three years since he was in Tunisia this weekend in a friendly against Liga MX side Puma. So credit for him, a USL team against a Liga MX team. He scored his first goal in a while. But uh, yeah, because I mean, theoretically... When you signed Kamiri in twenty eight, uh, late uh, early twenty nineteen, you signed Cornelius early twenty nineteen. I, I can't think you imagine having them longer than three years anyway. Signing two early twenty something center backs, so the, theoretically they should have had a, a long term in place for when these guys were gone. I mean, Godoy was always going to be your long term rock, and I think he's a good piece to invest in in long term. And now that he's seemed to find some health, hopefully he can keep that. But it's always like, okay, which youngster are you going to shuffle in a, alongside him? And I guess now. That leaves Ranko Veselinovic to, to be that guy. I think, again, a, a center-back corpse of Eric Godoy, uh, Ranko Veselinovic, Andy Rose, I think that's a good center-back corpse. No reason why that can't be a good center-back corpse. Or corpse, sorry, I don't know why I'm saying this. I'm saying corpse, but uh, <laughs> it's not dead yet. But uh, uh, jokes aside, I do think they need a, a depth player. It would be nice to see a younger face, but at the same time, if that younger player isn't going to play, it's kind of like, what's the point? But it's tough because do you want, do you want another older player who, to come in and end up kind of being there a little longer than he should and blocking progression of, of other center backs? Do you go for a CPL player who's playing a lot now and he's not going to end up playing anymore and that might stagnate his development? I maybe think for the rest of the year, just buy a stopgap guy who's a free agent still, maybe shouldn't be, just have him train with the guys, be a good voice. And then next year, reevaluate. Okay, is a guy like Ranko Veselinovic a long-term solution? Do teams in Europe want him? Do you want to sell him? Where, where do you stand with Andy Rose? I think you should keep Andy Rose around because he's going to be a coach long-term. No reason to want to get rid of that. Eric Godoy is a guy long-term, but is trotting out Eric Godoy and Andy Rose together necessarily a long-term plan when you got a guy like Ranko Veselinovic? When you, you've been, there's been rumors they've been looking at 19, 18-year-old, 20-year-old center backs in South America to, to be a young money player. You know, if that kind of player is coming in, do you want that player to be blocked by Andy Rose, for example, on the depth chart? So I do think the, the Whitecaps do have to, for the offseason, do have to figure out what their plan is for, for some of these players. Because it would just be unfortunate to continue to see players hit a wall when there's no rotation. Because this could all be changed if Mark DeSanto say, was more, you know, more willing to change the, the center backs, especially as he was the few last few years. Because to, to give credit, to him in, in 2019 and 2020 i thought he shuffled through the center backs a lot we saw a lot of eric godoy Derek cornelius uh rank you know ranko veselinovic jasser committee when he was healthy andy rose he wasn't shy to rotate through his center backs but for whatever reason this year he's found a pair and he's just stuck with it and uh the white caps if that's going to keep being the case you've got to sort out some of your assets because you can't have guys just rotting away on the bench like cornelius was and like i fear ranko veselinovic is because at least cornelius you brought him on a free he was a domestic. He's not eating up space. Ranko 
you're eating up an international spot. You paid upwards of 600K for him. He could be an asset that with his Serbian profile, what he's shown could be going for two, three, four million. Yet you're letting him rot away on the bench. That isn't prudent asset management. And they have to figure out their plan for him there. Okay, final kind of point on Derek here. What do we think if we're looking in the crystal ball? You know, now that the the forecast of his career has changed, he's going to be somewhere else for the next couple of years. What does this do for his career outlook? Is this a guy that that stays in Europe and maybe gets you know after showing himself strongly in Greece gets a gets an opportunity in a bigger league? Is this something where he looks to come back to MLS in North America at some point? with the Whitecaps or with some other team, what, what do you think this does for DC's career outlook? I think this can only be good. I think this only can be good. 23, good center back, as you know. I think if he's playing, he's going to look good, especially in a team that maybe defends a little deeper, has to do a lot of aerial battles. You know, he's something he's really good at. Maybe team, he still has, has some work to do in terms of playing out the back, but he's still pretty solid at his with the ball at his feet. He plays well in this 1.5 years on loan. Either he heads back to the white caps and obviously he can make a stepping stone, but I just feel like if he plays well, I don't think he'll stay at, uh, at the, this, this club. I think teams like Olympiacos, Panathiakos, Athens, heck some other European teams will want to look at him and want to sign a guy like him. So I feel like this is only the start of good things. So that's why from Cornelius perspective and Canada's perspective as well, I'm buzzing. I mean, they need, more Canadian, they need more center backs playing at a high level. I mean, their center back pool is. I'm st- I'm really starting to to like it. I mean, Scott Kennedy is obviously a big been a been emergence. Come on, Miller has been fantastic as of late. Daniel Henry, Stephen Victoria, both good options. Heck, if Ricardo Ferreira can find a club, Frank Sturing is still young. You got guys like Amir Didich. You know, I feel like he's he's on the cusp of a breakout. The depth is starting to grow. So having a throwing a guy like Cornelius playing regularly in Greece into that mix, that would be good for Canada. But also, I think the move itself, well, it can only lead to to to, to better things, especially because I think he's going to be put in a, a good shopping window platform, assuming he plays. But I have a feeling he will play. Yeah, and we've seen some other young center backs and defenders for the Canadian men's national team who, you know, maybe not playing at the most illustrious level in Europe, but they're they're honing their craft and they're they're improving leaps and bounds and so i hope Derek can get more on that path where you know maybe it's not quite the same visibility in north america but um you get an opportunity to play more minutes and hopefully that will only do good things for his career down the road and whether or not he comes back to the vancouver whitecaps definitely a guy we'll be watching out for and making sure you know we're checking in on those performances for the for the years to come of course so i think it's only good things to, to, to come for, for Derek Cornelius. Unfortunately, not in a white cap shirt, which is too bad as I feel like he, again, he, he has so much to give. But uh, speaking of putting on white cap shirts, if you're looking to buy a white cap shirt, here's a quick word from our sponsors over at Macy Sport. Hey everyone, it's Alex here from the Third Sub Podcast, and we're just taking this quick break to share some words from our partners over at Macy Sports, who continue to do lots and lots of great things for local and Canadian soccer. But Obviously, with a big 2021-2022 season just around the corner for those who watch, for those who play, everyone involved in the sport, well, Macy Sports is the place to go to get geared up for the new season. If you need a new jersey to support your favorite club team as they kick off a bright new season, or in the case of the Vancouver Whitecaps, continue their quest to try and make the playoffs, or if you're playing and you need a new pair of shin pads, a new pair of boots, 
They're your one-stop shop for all things soccer and a few other sports such as field hockey and a, a few others. So make sure to check them out. Located in North Van by Brookbank Avenue, close to the Second Arrows Bridge. They're your place to go. So shout out to Macy Sports and we'll get back to the show. And returning to the episode, always great to hear from the partners over at Macy Sports. Shout out to them for everything that they do for local and Canadian soccer. We've got a few administrative points to, to run through, I guess, before we, we close out the show. Uh, obviously, we're going to finish with some Canada and some other talk. But uh, Sam, I, I know you've had this written down. You're certainly interested about this. Pedro Vite, you know, young Ecuadorian central midfielder, another Independiente del Valle uh, you know, plug. So, I mean, hey, certainly I, I, I've been following along with them in Ecuador. So it's, I'm, I'm happy to see another Independiente player linked. Obviously, the first one went pretty well for the Whitecaps and Christian Dahomey. Uh, otherwise, you know, some some, some Ryan Gold thoughts. Uh, Sam, let's start with Pedro Vite. What are your thoughts on these rumors that have the, the young, I think, 19-year-old uh, central midfielder, uh, linked for the Whitecaps would be a young money player. He's very highly rated in, in Ecuadorian soccer circles, South American soccer circles. What are your thoughts on these rumors of, of the Whitecaps being linked to Pedro Vite? Well, I want to say that I first heard about Vite rumors to Vancouver like almost a, a calendar year ago now. There were some there were some buzzings at, at some point and then his name, it was very, very brief and his name sort of disappeared and now it seems that they're they're interested in him again, and obviously there's the club link there, so it's, you know, it's something where they're tapped in. They're getting, they're getting some film. They're getting some, you know, intel from their scouts, and uh, and you know, that's they feel like they have a good evaluation of the player. So, I, I guess that is confidence inspiring to some extent. Certainly, just like the the basic stats, you know, the the rate that he's scoring and assisting at, albeit in a, I don't want to say a lower league, but a league where maybe you have to you have to take the strength of competition into account a little bit. It's still his, his output's pretty impressive. And uh, I think, you know, would translate decently well to, to MLS and certainly a guy where you feel like you're, I don't know, depends on, I guess it's all dependent on the price and what kind of value you're able to get, but seems like it could be a good buy low, sell high type of option. But again, you're just, you know, you're dealing with such, relatively small sample size and, and and again you know is he going to is he going to fit in in the white cap system what is that white cap system going to be you know can he play the number 10 does that fit if they also bring in ryan god uh i'm i'm interested to see but overall a uh, an enticing profile could also serve as potential winger depth if if that's something the white caps are looking for so uh He's an intriguing prospect, but you know, until something like this actually gets across the finish line, I'm I'm not going to hold my breath too too much. Yeah, it's something uh, among many intriguing profiles that Whitecaps have been linked to. And again, I don't know how much this would solve on the Whitecaps team because, as we've said before, they happen to have a lot of good players that aren't necessarily put in positions to succeed. But from just you know looking at the player, of course, this would be a great signing. You have a young money spot open. You do have an international spot open now with the the departure of Ali Adnan and the loan of David Egbo. You actually have two international spots open, allowing you to get a Vite and a Gold. Say if you had the capacities to make both happen, he's 19. There's you know the people are calling him the Ecuadorian magician. So obviously that's stuff like that's excited. Independent is a 
good team. They consistently compete in Libertadores. They compete in the, the Sudamericana, in the Ecuadorian League. They're one of the better teams in Ecuador. And a, an underrated team in South America, really. He's only 19. So the fact that he's already broken through and playing is always a good sign. He's, you know, he's played at the Ecuador U-17 level. He's earned call-ups at the Ecuador U-20 level. Again, and also a very good national team. There's a lot to like there from the profile. Yes, they might have to pay two, three mil, but much like if it's anything like Kyle Alexander, Diber, Caicedo, the other young money players, you have to be happy. But again, I don't know how, how much this will fix in the white caps as things stand, but I, I can't see why not. If you have the room to make it happen, may as well, you know, go for for him and, and sign him. But, uh, it's just necessarily, I guess it's not necessarily an area they need to target. Cause again, it's going to be interesting what happens with the move like this. If Vitek coming in means less of Russell Tybert, I think a lot of people can welcome that. But if a guy like Leonard Owusu is struggling to play, where does a guy like Vitek fit into that if he's only 19 and he's quite inexperienced? So that would be my one worry with the move like that. But otherwise, I mean, why not if it's if it's there for you to, to make? Yeah, and you just, you know, is it is he going to come in and be, be used properly? Yeah, is he going to, you know, clog up the situation for for some other youngsters on the roster? You just hope they're able to... If if you bring in someone like Vite, are you able to juggle all those balls and really get the get the most out of some of these players? Because you know we're still seeing Deber Caicedo kind of finding his footing in the squad. He certainly had some good matches, but uh, yeah, I mean, I like I like the job the Whitecaps scouting department seems to be doing, but uh, it's also kind of separate from the way some of those players have been integrated on the field. So uh, yeah, try not to get too excited with this kind of hype, but. Uh, Alex, what do we expect here over the next, you know, the next couple of weeks? Do you think do you think big signings are imminent or is this more smoke than uh, than fire for this Vancouver Whitecaps team? Surely, right? Like surely there there's something on the way. I mean, we say that, but they have a young money spot open, they have a young DP spot open, they have a a DP spot open. They have three ro- senior roster slots open. They have two international spots. Surely they can make some noise, right? Like at the very least, surely they bring in a DP and a young money player. Maybe if they, even if they don't bring a young DP in, but that would make sense. You bring in Vita, you bring in Gold, two international spots, two of those three roster spots. You use the third one on a cheap Canadian or American center back. I feel like that's the easy recipe towards success, but that's obviously, as we know, for the Whitecaps, actually making that happen is always the hard part. But uh, I feel like they're going to be making signings. You can't you can't be shipping out players at the rate that they are, especially with the injuries they've been dealing with and absences and uh, not, you know, not address that and, and fill some holes. So I, I feel like it's changes have to be on the way, right? You would think so. And and as we outlined earlier in the show, I mean, just in terms of the, the positivity in this market, uh, a couple, a couple big exciting signings could do a lot to, you know, put some more bums in seats and at least have that, that interest level high when the Whitecaps are back at BC Place. So something you're going to have to watch out for. But every day that you know you hear that things are all but confirmed, but but stuff doesn't get across the finish line, you just you wonder whether or not something's going to get in the way because we've seen this with Whitecaps signings before. So uh, we'll just have to track where that goes. Not really a ton of definitive news to report on there, but it's always, always curious. It does seem like Vite and God are the two that are threatening to get across the finish line at the very least. Yeah. Well, I think looking otherwise, let's talk about the, the, the one good, I guess, bit of positive soccer, I guess we watched over uh, this, this past week, Canada kicked off its gold cup campaign 
in style, really, winning 4-1 over Martinique after beating 4-0, Martinique 4-0 in the, the the opening game of 2019 Gold Cup. I guess you could say they did take a step back, but uh, missing Alfonso Davies, missing Jonathan David, going down 1-0 early to a goal. That was just, if you've seen the, if you haven't seen the goal, they conceded. Do yourself a favor and check it out. It was quite the quite the goal that Martinique scored, and not not in a good way. I'm not saying that as if as if it was a world. It was quite the comedic sequence of events. But uh, like uh, Canada from there woke up, took care of business. Tejan Buchanan was just dominant, really. No way, other way to put it. Some other strong performances. Canada gets off to a good start to the Gold Cup. Sam, what were your early impressions of that that big win for Canada over Martinique on Sunday? Yeah, I mean the the start to the match, really the the opening ten minutes overall, even prior to that goal, were were not picturesque or ideal. But it was said a lot on Twitter, so I'm only reiterating a sentiment that's already been spread. But it was the difference between prior Canadian men's national teams and the current Canadian men's national team. They didn't panic, didn't freak out, they didn't lose their composure, just relied on their quality and and took over the match from there on out. Tejon Buchanan specifically. Um, just you know, running all over the the park there down the down the left hand side and wreaking some havoc. That was good to see. Uh, quality finishes, you know, a guy like Kyle Laren staying involved offensively. Um, and really, you know, there's there have been some banana peels so far in this Gold Cup. We uh, we saw what happened to Mexico against Trinidad and Tobago, uh, and even for the United States. I mean, Haiti played them tough, so. You can't you can't take anything for granted, especially when you're dealing with something less than a full strength squad, which I think applies to Mexico, the U.S. and and Canada. All three, you just have to take care of business, and they and they did a good job. Uh, yeah, it was entertaining listening to the I listened to the U.S. broadcast, and uh, I think they shouted out Tejon Buchanan as a striker at one point, which is a mm. is an interesting take. But uh, no, over overall, I mean, I kind of I drifted out after the fifty fifth, sixtieth minute. You didn't miss much because because it was kind of over at that point. You you got the sense that Canada was just going to salt it away. But you know, it just goes to show the maturity of this Canadian team. They they've come a long ways, and uh, yeah, um, I was excited to see Kamal Miller back in the fold. I don't know if it was his his best match or if he looked super super comfortable back there, but I, but I am excited. Him in a back three. Um, going forward certainly has a lot of potential and so it was nice to see him back from injury and, and back involved as well it's actually interesting I thought Kamal Miller did pretty well back I think obviously the first goal some can blame I think there's the just blame- a couple chaotic moments like overall I like Miller's play there's just a, a couple times where it felt like they were they're kind of sorting things out on the fly yeah well I just think that first goal it's hard to blame him as maybe he did pa- make a bit of a tough pass to Mark Anthony Kay. I think Mark Anthony K makes Should've that done pass. Better, yeah. Makes that pass ten times out of ten, and K recognized that after the game. He apologized and said he, you know, it's a pass he usually makes. So I think Kamal Miller. Otherwise, he had something obscene. I think he made sixty-nine out of seventy-one of his passes he completed, which is just an obscene pass completion rate. And a lot of them were good passes. Some long balls. He was nearly perfect on all of his long balls. So I think Kamal Miller is going to be a good shout to have for the national team. Otherwise, it was good just to see Steven Ustakia rewarded with his first goal in a Canada shirt after how good he's been uh, this year for, for Canada, pretty much starting almost every game at the at the number six. To, for him to go join up the play after a nice ball from Junior Hoylet, a nice run from Tejon Buchanan to, to get his goal was nice. It's nice to see uh, Jonathan Azorio bag a goal, always working hard, doing, you know, doing good things for Canada in the midfield. 
otherwise uh some of the other goals just uh trying to to jog my memory obviously Theo Corb uh, Cor Corbinow as he apparently says his pronunciation is and I've, if he's going to say that I will certainly trust him on that because we have had that discussion Corbinow scores his second goal in just four games for for Canada most of them off the bench shows how deadly he can be in a super sub role for Canada but lastly and not least if I if I, if I got the goals rightly Kyle Laren what a player I mean his seventh game for Canada in 2021 he scores his eighth goal he scored in six out of seven of the games he's played he has a hat trick he has as many goals in seven games this year as he does in 31 prior games for Canada like talk about a player reborn this year uh, just after what he's gone through with Besiktas how good he was he continues to be a star. So having him in this tournament might be a bit of a blessing, a bit of a forgotten name because everyone's like, oh, no, Alfonso Davies, no Jonathan David. Having a Kyle Laren is huge, especially look at Mexico. Yes, they have a Herving Lozano or Lozano, sorry, fantastic player. He suffered a nasty injury the other day. He's out for the tournament. Kyle Laren is, is arguably one of the stars of this tournament, along with some of, the, I guess, maybe looking around some a guy like a Leon Bailey, a guy, you know, some of those guys, but Kyle Laren is a huge star to have up front for, for Canada. So it's huge to see him in and amongst the goals. But uh, otherwise, I think it was a, they did the job they needed to do. Canada usually would have found a way to throw this away. So even if maybe some of their guys didn't perform as well as they, they could have, some other guys did. You get the three points. You move on to a depleted Haiti team. You take care of business there. I think you'd be happy. So uh, hopefully they can keep their focus heading into this crucial Haiti game on Thursday. Yeah, well, I wanted to bring up the... Uh you know, the, the future of this Canadian men's national team, you've got the you've got the matchup against Haiti, then you got the matchup against the United States, and we saw those two face off. I mean, looking at the, the U.S. roster, I think that, you know, this is very much a, a group that's for the taking for this Canadian team, if they can put it all together. And just, Alex, quickly, your thoughts on anything that stuck out to you. I don't know how much you caught of the Trinidad and Tobago versus U.S. match, but U.S. not, you know, necessarily covering themselves in a ton of glory against a, a Haiti team who's, you know, not only footballing wise after suffering those defeats to Canada, but also just politically and nationally had some real, some real struggles recently. So, uh, you know, could be an interesting one Thursday and then uh, really looking forward to that U S versus Canada match. Yeah. I mean, the U S is just a tough one to gauge because they've got a very young domestic based lineup, but that doesn't mean they have bad players. I mean, for no, example, certainly not. I don't think they, for example, a guy like Gianluca Busio looked good when he came on in the second half, yet he didn't start. I think he, the U.S. might want to consider starting him more often. You got wild cards like Giassi Zardes. Who knows what version you're going to get of him. One day he'll score a brace. Next thing you know, he can't you know, seem to get his feet in line. I, but I think Canada has every reason to want to be able to beat this team. I think they can score the goals to beat this team. And more importantly, they've lately started to show they can defend. I mean, they obviously broke their five clean game clean sheet streak with the unfortunate goal they gave up, but it took a horrendous mistake. And even then, you know, it took a go the ball going off the post and off Mark Anthony K just to go in. So I think Canada defensively in this three, five, two have found a way to consistently keep teams to two, two or less shots on target a game. So they're going to keep scoring three or more a game. No reason why they can't play the U S with the win, but it would be nice if they can beat Haiti so they can head in that game with, you know, less pressure on themselves to need to chase a result against the U.S., but no reason why they can't run the table and get nine out of nine. And that would be good because you do that, assuming Mexico wins their group, which they should, barring anything unforeseen, 
you avoid Mexico to the finals. And that's huge because if you're Canada, you can beat every team. You can beat this U.S. team. You can beat Jamaica. You can beat all the other teams. The one team that I, uh, is going to be the wild card is Qatar because I think they're they're a lot better than people are giving, you know, might might realize this Qatar team is, is, is not here to mess around. So, I mean, I guess we'll find out actually when they play and see how good they actually are. But my fear is that Qatar is going to be a lot better than people realize. But other than that, if Canada on paper, no reason why they can't believe they can win this group and then go to the final where they could face the Mexico. But obviously, you don't want to look too far ahead. One game at a, at a time, you have to take on this Haiti team because – Credit to Haiti, 15 players in their squad after a COVID outbreak on their fourth string goalkeeper, former Whitecaps Academy. I was going to say, yeah. Former Whitecaps Academy player, Brian Silvestre, who looked really good on a few occasions. For them to only lose 1-0 to the U.S. and really fight back, get chances, play. Like, this Haiti team is legit, man. Like, people are not giving enough credit to Haiti. Canada beating them 4-0 across two legs is a huge result. I don't think we, we've we quite realized how big of a result that is for, for Canada. So, Haiti is going to be a tough one. Canada should be able to do it, but that doesn't mean they cannot sleep at the wheel, as they might know from past Gold Cup experiences. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to Thursday and the, and the matches that come because I think it gets it gets interesting and you know hopefully Tejon Buchanan and Kyle Laren and the rest of this team can you know pick up the the Davies David um, slack because I think that there's there's a great opportunity for Canada to show off its depth a little bit here and you know a lot's going to maybe be said of those absences but it, it gives those guys you know lower down the pecking order but not necessarily of you know, lesser, lesser quality too, too much to, uh, to give an opportunity to shine. So I'm looking forward to those matches and uh, Alex, before we sign off here, maybe just a couple, a couple notes on the global footballing front. Cause there were some pretty, uh, pretty consequential matches over the last week and, uh, and some big players and some big moments. So uh, yeah, over to you for that. Shout out to Lionel Messi for finally winning an Argentina trophy. I mean, certainly deserved it after losing in four finals, three Copa America finals and one world cup final. It was going to come at one point. So I was happy that, you know, it was able to do it the way he did. He was dominant all tournament for Argentina, four goals, five assists. He out of, he, he was involved in 80% of their goals leading up to the final. So it was almost fitting that Angel Di Maria stepped up and, and took care of business in the final because Messi has been let down by teammates in the final famously. I mean, you know, people out there still hate Gonzalo Higuain to this day for, for how he performed in the 2014 final. So shout out to a fellow MLS player. But uh, yeah, it was good to see to see Messi win. I mean, tough to see Brazil lose. I like Brazil. I would have been interested to see Neymar grab his first Copa America because he did miss the 2019 tournament they won. He's had quite the bad luck at the international level, but Messi certainly deserved it. And he, he was dominant all tournament. Uh, and then otherwise, shout out to Italy for winning the Euros. Thought that was... It capped what was ended up being a pretty entertaining tournament. England fought well. Uh, it was unfortunate that they lost the way they did on the penalties, especially some of the young players, just the pressure that they had to do. And unfortunately, some of the abuse, the racial abuse they faced online afterwards was really sad. And it's, it's a problem that needs to be sorted out. But this English team has a very bright future ahead of them, some very good players. I, you know, Maybe their coach isn't necessarily... He has so much talent at his disposal. He still needs to figure out how to get it all on the field at some time and, and get the most out of it. But they've got a good team, a lot to be excited about. But uh, Italy was just dominant all tournament there. They didn't lose a game for a reason. They, 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 were, they barely allowed any goals. 
deserved winners of the Euro. So it was, it was a good cap to two international tournaments, but uh, hopefully the Gold Cup can top both of them and give us even more drama. So it's just more is to come. And plus, we're not even talking about the Olympics tournament. The women's and men's tournaments are also going to be very excited. So we're just getting started in this tournament soccer. We've kind of hit the halftime, so to speak, with these two latest results. Yeah, it's an exciting time for for international football. Um, yeah, big shit. That Copa America was there. It was punchy. There was lots of lots of emotion, lots of lots of grit in that one. And uh, yeah, great touch and finish by Di Maria. That was that was cool to see. And then uh, yeah, the Euro finals. I mean, you got to find a way to get Jack Grealish more involved. I feel like I mean the fullbacks. The fullbacks did a great job there on the opening goal, but I think Grealish was. At times, the player of the tournament for for the English when he was on, and yeah, you'd like you'd like to see him get involved. That the, a that little no- earlier than the hundredth minute of the final. Yeah, that that you know the number ten, the attacking midfielder, might be a useful player to use at times, right? So uh, that was interesting and just tough to see those young guys in such big pressure spots, especially. I mean, you know, never an athlete at, at that kind of stage, but anytime you come into something cold it's really, really hard to perform. And I just, I, I don't Especially care. In front if, of 80,000 in a I don't final. care if they're the best penalty takers on your squad. You have to kind of take momentum and the flow of the match, I feel like. Or sub them on earlier if you want to make them. Exactly. But it was just, it was a tough scenario. And obviously, yeah, three young black guys, um, you know, in, in what can already be a toxic English supporters environment, that's that's tough to see and not, you know, not the kind of thing you want those young guys to have to be dealing with, but uh, you know, shout out to a guy like Rashford who's you know come out online and been very, very front facing and very, very gracious in the way he's dealt with it. And really, everyone surrounding the English team who's actually involved is, I think, done a tremendous job in dealing with it. So uh, shout out to those guys and a huge shout out to Italy because they they won every way possible during this tournament, and that's you know what you have to do in order to. To win, and we're kind of seeing. I'm not comparing Canada to Italy, but Canada's finding more ways to win at the at the national team level, and I think that's that's encouraging, right? That's the kind of team you want to have. We still see England a little bit; they only kind of know one way how to win, and that's uh, that's challenging because in international football, you don't always get the matches, you know, the exact way you draw it up. Sometimes it's cagey, sometimes it's tense, sometimes it's nervous, and you have to you have to try to overcome that. So. yeah, looking forward to the summer of international football. Looking forward to more Canada. Hopefully looking forward to some white caps at BC Place. We'll have to see. So uh, that I think that's it for episode 105 of the third sub. We kind of dove into a little bit of everything. And uh, stay tuned for Thursday versus Haiti for Canada. We'll probably be doing something live before. Uh, Eurofinals kind of got in the way of us doing something for Martinique, which I think is... Hopefully understandable to you out there. And then obviously we'll be back uh, for Whitecap stuff on the weekend as well. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Exciting. Galaxy on Saturday. Haiti on Thursday. Canada, U.S. on Sunday. What more to like? It's going to be, it's coming thick and thick and thin. I mean, heck, next week, Canada versus Japan uh, over over the Olympics. The, you know, it's just it's so much to, to like right now. So it's going to be a lot of lot of lot more of us in the next few weeks as uh as things continue to wrap up here but uh before we go i'm your co- co-host alexander gungarizic you'll find me on twitter at alex gungarizic at bts fan city bts fan city.com you can find macy sports on twitter at sports macy's and on uh, on instagram at macy sports so obviously shout out to them for that but on that note that was episode 105 i'll let sam 
shout himself out and wrap things up for today's edition of the show. Yeah, you can find me, as always, at Samuel underscore rowboat on Twitter at 86forever.com. As Alex mentioned during the show, a film room article is out. So if you want to watch the Lightcaps play bad soccer, check out that article. For our live shows, 86 Forever on YouTube, that's where you can find all those. Also Twitter, Periscope, through like all our social platforms, so it's not too hard to find. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you're still with us, if you're still following the Whitecaps, uh, a big shout out to you because, you know, the the support it's it's a tough time to be a supporter uh so so yeah certainly very brave and we appreciate your support so uh yeah shout out to you and uh shout out to macy's and we'll be back again soon with more so thanks for listening everyone